everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. And we always love talking with the Hallmark writers. And so we have a new writer with us today. We have the writer of In Merry Measure, Russell Hainline. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is so cool. We really enjoyed the movie. You can hear our recap this week on our uh, Wednesday episode. Uh, we we all gave it pretty high scores. So we all enjoyed it. And uh, so it's great to get great to get a chance to talk with you about it and uh, your experience. And it was really cool. I I'm a big uh, letterboxed person as a film critic and as a podcaster and, uh, and I'll put a link in the description. If people want to, uh, to sign up for letterbox free and it's really fun. It's a way to kind of share your, your opinions and uh, of movies. And uh, there's not that many of us Hallmarkies on there, but all the movies are on there. So people should sign up and uh, check it out. And I'll put my link if you want to follow me. Uh, but you had kind of shared your experience on there in your like post on it, your review. And uh, so I was so excited to to read it. And because uh, I noticed when I was doing prep for the episode that you hadn't had at least any other rom-coms on your uh on your filmography. So, so, so fun to hear of your experience. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that people seem to be reacting well, first of all, to the movie, most important, yeah. but also to what I wrote. I mean, like letterbox can be a little snarky sometimes, sure. you know? Uh, so you never really know exactly how people will respond, especially to something that's, you know, earnest and sincere and, you know, is kind of memed a lot in internet mm -hmm. culture. So uh, I was very happy that everybody liked what I said and yeah. liked the movie. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very warm welcome. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes me crazy because you'll read on there, not just for Hallmark rom-coms, but just rom-coms in general. They'll be like, I had such a great time with this. This was so much fun. Two stars. Like, sure. Sure. Yeah. That there's just like no way that they would give a good score to even if they admit flat out that they liked it and they enjoyed it. I don't know. It makes me crazy. Sure. I, th I think that one of the things that I used to dabble in film criticism and uh -huh. it's, it's so easy to like get into being mean for clicks. I'm sure mm -hmm. that like my top most liked review on Letterboxd is definitely something where I just hated the movie and I was just like flipping mean about it and everybody really liked it because sometimes when you're really frustrated watching a movie, that can be a nice release. But yeah. especially for movies like these, I mean, the people working on it are working very hard. Uh, I don't think... I think people think that they're very cynically produced. And in my experience, that has not remotely been the case. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to share some positivity about it. And luckily, a lot of other people have been, again, more people than I expected. I expected the people to do exactly what you just said, right? The the two stars, whatever, it was fine. I thought it was cute, you know, which is fine also if you feel that way. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's been great. Yeah, as a film critic, I... I learned to try to always, always respect the the people involved because they at least made something and I'm sitting here reviewing it. Uh, so I should at the very least respect that, that they made something I didn't. Um, but also that if I, if I go overboard on the hyperbole, which is fun to do sometimes it is um, that people don't people don't actually respect your opinion they might laugh they might have fun with it but uh but 
when I really actually really dislike something, people know because I don't do that often. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so. If I recall correctly, I think the thing that almost certainly is like my most liked there is the movie Passengers with Chris Pratt and oh, Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. which I found off-putting for a number of reasons. Uh, I can understand that. I believe my review is just one line and it said, in space, no one can hear me scream or something <laughs> like that. Or like it was something along those lines, right? Just yeah. a reference to alien tagline. So everybody loved like, LOL, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but like- you know, yeah. especially now having worked on movies more and having met so many people who work on movies, I mean, odds are very strong. I will be the writer on another bad movie at some point in my, not that this one was bad, but like I'm saying that because it wasn't, but this happens to writers. It happens to directors. Yeah. It happens to actors. It happens to everybody. And so they're still just trying to make it their best and yeah. I try to keep that in mind a lot more now than maybe I did back in the day. It doesn't mean to give a pass to something that's bad, obviously, but yeah, just yeah. to give it, give it a little more kindness to the people involved. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's learn a little bit more about you. So how did you get started in that? You said you moved uh, you know, to California or trying to become a writer. Uh, so how did that all start? Did you grow up kind of loving movies, loving writing? Like where did you, where did you get started? Yeah, I was a basketball player going into high school who then was too unathletic to continue reasonably uh, down the path of a basketball career. And I got into theater, very sort of Zac Efron in high school musical, right? Nice. Uh, and I was a writer for those. I wrote some one acts, things like this. When I went to Duke for college, I was very involved in theater there, in musical theater there as well, as you could probably tell from the movie to some extent. And I taught theater outside DC uh, afterwards. I taught high school. Also, you can tell maybe from the movie. So while I was there, I just kind of had the idea that I would continue writing, but just on my own. And maybe I could, you know, shoot something on my own the way that people want to do. And, you know, there's this, this very illustrious idea of because the materials that you can use to make film have been very democratized. Like you can film something on your iPhone. You can buy a microphone on Amazon. You can use your friends. I kind of thought, oh, well, this will be really easy. I'll just make stuff over the summer and then, you know, piece of cake. Uh, it's not that easy. When you teach, uh, people say, oh, you get three months off. Yeah, you need three months off. <laughs> like you are working a 12-month year in nine months, which is very, very hard, especially as a theater teacher who you do not get paid to stay after and direct shows. You do not get paid to work on weekends. You do it out of love, but it is exhausting. So I decided, hey, if I'm going to actually try to be a writer, I have to go to LA. Uh, I've got to meet people. I've got to devote all my time to this. I'd saved up some money. Uh, so I moved. I started, as you probably know from the letterbox thing, I started writing uh, like horror suspense action. These are the, the sort of things I watched growing up my brother and I would watch you know like sci-fi movies on Saturday mornings with you know giant spiders and yetis and things of this nature right like th those are things that I enjoyed and they make a lot of them here so I thought that seems like a smart path and I worked on that for a while and it was really hard I tried to do things on my own very very hard I tried to get things funded more or less working by myself even harder. I got some work here and there. Sometimes the work fell through at the last minute. 
sometimes like on web of lies the lifetime movie that's my other credit on imdb sometimes you get replaced you know uh that happens uh, you know so it writing can be very very hard and then when the pandemic hit in 2020 i was tired of coming up with creative ways to murder people is the line that i always use uh, it was already a very anxiety-inducing time. I wasn't feeling very great about the world in general. And just continuing to sort of sit in that and swim, tread water in it, was not great for me. And I had met Jack Grossbart, who produces uh, some of these movies, and he had liked a horror script that I wrote, uh, but he couldn't do anything with it because he does Hallmark types of movies, and it was very gory. So he said it's too gory. So, you know, <laughs> fair enough, right? Uh, but he told me if I ever wanted to write a Christmas movie to give him a call because he thought I could write. So I tried one. I wrote one. Uh, I worked through it with him for a, a while, uh, it's still floating out there. We still send it out and maybe it'll get made one day. So I don't want to say too many things about it, but it was a huge learning experience. Just figuring out, I'd seen a, a number of Hallmark movies, but like writing them when you've been writing horror and action and stuff is a, is a very quick pivot. So I learned a lot of lessons. And then this was the second thing that I wrote um, in what became called in Mary measure. So hmm. Uh, and that one came out of me very quickly, and it was very much drawn on a lot of my experiences, and the producers loved it, Hallmark loved it, uh, everybody was a joy to work with. I mean, it just became a very dream scenario, and now I'm hoping to be sort of entrenched in the Hallmark family and keep writing these sorts of movies, because I'm, even though I never anticipated I would be writing these movies, I'm really having a blast doing it. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting what you're saying, because on a lot of levels, but but you think about the the people might think that, oh, the difference between uh, rom-com and horror is like huge, but actually it's really, really not. I mean, we it's kind not. of joke that- It's not that, at all. Like you, you, some of these movies, you change the score and you've got a horror movie. <laughs> sure, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's I, true of a lot of those, uh, you know, if in Love Actually, if a guy shows up with signs outside yeah. your door and the music is slightly creepy, then yeah. you read that scene completely differently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I liked in your post that you said uh, that it felt like writing science fiction without the spaceships. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely science fiction because it's you have to create a very unique and outlined and detailed world in which people are good and everyone is nice to one another and good things happen to the people who deserve it. And that just doesn't always happen in real life, as we very well know. And certainly around the holiday season, it feels nice to sort of put yourself inside of that fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. To yeah. believe that the magic of Christmas can make these good things a reality for these people who deserve it. And I, I've had a lot of fun doing that for sure. It's not spaceships and wizards, but it's very much its own sort of fantasy sci-fi. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it's it's been a lot of fun. Well, and I've always said that I feel like the reason why people love Hallmark movies and rom-coms just in general since the beginning of movie making is that they're hopeful. Uh, people want to sure. believe in 
a, a hopeful ending for our characters. People want to believe in hope for themselves that uh, good things will happen. And uh, yeah, sure, they are all shot with uh, you know bokeh filters and and really uh, really you know beautiful uh, beautiful people falling in love. But I I think that for a lot of people, it's not like that far off of a lot of people's lives. Like most people do fall in love and most people do get, you know, married statistically. Most people have, uh, you know, happy parts of their lives at least, you know, they, yeah. uh, I mean, my parents, they've been married for over 40 years and, you know, they, I was Same. very lucky in the sense that like my parents, I'm not saying they never squabbled, but like not in front of us. I've had almost no memories of my parents fighting in front Same. of me. And I am very fortunate for that. Um, but uh, it's, it's, I guess it's not as outside of the, the reality of a lot of people's lives as maybe it feels for, for some people and some things. Um, and, uh, and I, th- I just think that we all need a dose of hope every now and then, especially like you're saying in the 2020, uh, that time when it was, it was hard to be hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. And it felt good uh, for me personally to be working on things that that brought up a lot of good memories, right? Doing high school theater, doing I did acapella in college, obviously draw drawing on that some, then teaching high school theater, right? Uh just a lot of kids who are very hopeful that they right like they don't know where their lives are going. And so to give them something that makes them feel fulfilled uh, that made me feel fulfilled, you know, yeah. like that's, that's fun in a story. And certainly uh, Darcy's story and Adam's story, right? These, these are people that I'd like to think that everybody knows to some extent, maybe we don't know like big pop stars, but we know people who maybe don't, who moved out of their hometown, who are reluctant to move back home out of fear that it means that their dreams and aspirations that they held when they left town are now over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things about the movie, which I heard you all talk about, I, I listened to the show it, and was a big part of what we wanted when we made the movie is to show that you can manage both things, that you can have the dream, you can have the family, you can have the relationship, you can have all of these things. It does not have to be, I'm sacrificing myself for this cause. You can devote yourself to the family, the relationship causes, while also maintaining the thing for yourself. That's something I believe in very strongly. Mm-hmm. I was I yeah. was glad that it made it, you know, all the way through the process and into the final movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcasts, especially at Christmas? Do you enjoy the holiday previews, recaps, interviews, and bonus episodes? If the answer is yes, please consider supporting the Hallmarkies Patreon. We need your help to do what we do both during the Christmas season and all year round. But not only do you help a podcast led by strong, independent women by becoming a Patreon, you get to become a part of the Hallmarkies family. Starting at only $2 a month as a patron, you will have access to our Facebook Patreon group where we talk about the movies, shows, and more all year. We also have many monthly patron watch-alongs with guests like Lacey Chabert, Natalie Hall, Paul Campbell, Mary Lou Henner, and more, giving their behind-the-scenes details of their films. As a patron, you also have the chance to provide input into the podcast and even join us at different tiers. 
So this Christmas season, spread some cheer to the Hallmarkies Patreon and become a member today. You won't regret it. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies to learn more. That's patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. Interesting is my my cousin uh, was, when she was going through rehab, they actually had at the place where she was at, she actually, they did a play. They put on a play. Sure. Because it goes what they were trying to do because they took them like, uh, this particular place, they took them like skydiving. They took, what they were trying to do is to show that you could get like a high off of like other things. Sure, right? sure. And uh, and so uh, one of the things they did was like to put on a play. And I I think that that is like very true. I mean, I haven't I haven't done a play in, since high school, but I do remember just that thrill of being like, oh my gosh, it all came together. And like usually the dress rehearsal is like terrible and yeah. like, you know absolutely everything goes wrong that could go wrong in a dress rehearsal and uh and so then when you actually pull it off that night it's so exciting yeah and so <laughs> I, I did i did briefly when i was living in dc i did stand-up comedy uh-huh. and that is about as terrifying as it gets <laughs> but if it goes well it is the most uplifting like you feel like you could run through a brick wall and then if it goes uh, yeah, poorly, then you do not want to go outside for a week right like so mm-hmm. yeah there is something about performance and and certainly elements of sharing yourself too right tapping into emotions that maybe you don't get to display very frequently that I do think is very cathartic and gives people uh, a good feeling. I know that that's a big reason why prisons often will, you know, maybe not often, but you hear about prisons doing theatrical performances that are often quite moving and very revealing about the material because it's these people choosing to open themselves up in a way that they don't get to very frequently. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it provides a sense of, yeah, just catharsis, mm-hmm. I guess, is I don't have a yeah. I don't have a synonym for catharsis. I'm just gonna have to re-hammer the same word. That would actually make a really good it would have to be probably lifetime, not hallmark, I think. But that would make yeah. a good movie. I don't know how many prison uh <laughs> settings are in the Hallmark channel. Or the rehab though. For lifetime. <laughs> sure, like, yes, you do yes, it on, that might yeah. But yeah, if, for sure. For sure. If you crossed over to lifetime, I think that could make a good movie. It could. It could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, but, uh, but you said that you got to go onto the shoot, yes. which was pretty cool because, you know, they've been very strict about that these days. Uh, yes. so that was cool that you got, they let you, you go onto set. Yeah. I very fortunately had a really good relationship with the producers, with, uh, Paula, the director. I talked to her a number of times and we were getting along very well. And I said, hey, like I, I'll take all the tests you need. I'm happy to do whatever it takes. But, you know, this is the first time that I've gone through from the very beginning to the very end of a movie where the vast majority of my script is still intact. And I'm very excited about how it'll come out and the people that you're casting. And so could I please come and just like watch for a few days? And everyone was so supportive. And then I went and everyone was also incredibly lovely, which is also uh, maybe not always what you hear from movie sets. So it was just really a dream job. Honestly, it was great. That's great. I'm so yeah. happy. Uh, and well, let's talk, let's dive into the movie a little bit more. Sure. So I mentioned in our recap that, uh, that 
I connected with it emotionally because I also had a choir teacher that was very focused on winning. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, she didn't really like, she, it wasn't just me. There were a bunch of other people that, that she didn't really care about sort of nurturing their talent. All she cared about was what will make the, the vocal ensemble the best. That was the, that was so that they could win. And it really did have a big effect on my confidence and also just like feeling like I was bad. Like I was, I was a bad singer. And, and so it wasn't until uh, I started taking voice lessons just for fun to kind of, and I felt like I needed to kind of dig that out of me. And, uh, and so I took voice lessons as an adult and it, it was so empowering i guess to feel like oh i actually i'm okay at this like she was wrong yeah and uh if if over on my uh on my channel research reviews i have some clips of me singing at recitals and stuff and i'm not the greatest but like i had a great time and it was a very empowering experience for me and i i think it must have been challenging to write brendan's character to have him come from that spot but still keep him likable enough that we're not like too down on him like i feel like that's tricky. Yeah. I mean, first of all, to address your original point, I mean, I, so I was a camp counselor starting in high school. It was like my first job. And one of the first things I remember the boss telling me is that he still remembered when he was in third grade, when a teacher said that something that he said was stupid, right? That there's something about when you are in charge of young people, like, and I'm sure, and we all have these memories too, right? We remember like little things that there is no way that they remember at all. Right. right. They just probably yeah. said something passingly. Uh, so, and I've certainly been at auditions where I didn't get the part I wanted, or I didn't get a part at all, or I knew I did badly. And those can really uh, sink you. I think that Adam, as somebody who's also now been on the teacher side of things, it was important, and I know you talked about this on your episode as well, it was important that we got Adam's backstory and where he was coming from, because I do think that a lot of these teachers that that have that sense of like, I've got to win, there's usually something baked into them from their childhood, right? From something long ago. And there was more of Adam's backstory in like early drafts and things. But yeah, he was a a guy for whom he had to work. I think his line is something along the lines of like, he had to work to like really hard to get to the middle. And he was just watching somebody like Darcy who just seemingly effortlessly was above him due to natural talent. And I think we also have like things in life where we realize that it's something that we love doing, but maybe we aren't blessed the way that other people are blessed. Right? It's good. Like Rick's big speech about how Celine Dion can't play football and he can't sing like Celine Dion. I think that's one of the things I wanted to tackle the most in this movie is trying to figure out what you love and how hard you need to work and you might need to work harder than other people. And sometimes you don't, and that's great too. But that idea of like work versus talent and how to nurture both on your own and as teachers, how to nurture others is something that even after my teaching days are done now, I think about a lot. It is true that if you think about a lot of the most famous singers aren't actually that good of technically classical singing. Sure. Right? But they, someone like 
I don't know, just off the top of my head, someone like a Bob Dylan or somebody like that. Like, it's not like sure. he has like a classically great voice, but he's a great songwriter and he's got his own style and he's obviously brilliant at what he does. And, and so that I think is, is part of the trick of sort of having the confidence uh, which, you know, these experiences kind of hurt and, 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 and knock you down, but the confidence to kind of be your own voice and your own style. And, and, and uh, that, that's, it's, it's part of growing up that experience, I think. Totally. And I think uh, obviously one of the notes that I saw people put in their reviews, which I completely understand is like, how could they turn this team that didn't do well around so quickly? Right. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, you do just in a movie like this have to believe in a little Christmas magic on that sort of right, th- yeah. on that sort of front. But we wanted to also make it clear that these weren't untalented kids. They were unconf- They were kids who lacked confidence. Yeah. Right. And so if you lack confidence and suddenly you get imbued with confidence, then you really can take off and and be ready pretty quickly. Again, maybe not in the time frame that the movie presents, but it's different than if we showed that they like just can't sing at all or they're terrible, like untalented at singing. Uh, we tried to show in that montage that even though Darcy was not thrilled with what she was seeing, that there were things there like the kid, Jason, uh, Chris Carson's the actor. He's a good young actor. And this is totally based off a kid that I knew when I, in my acapella days who came in and auditioned, and he was he was so off. He was so bad. He was so bad. But then if he put his headphones on, he could sing along with a song nicely. Right. But the bold, the boldly singing off. Right. Or whatever the uh, the closed caption said. Oh, yeah. is that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's so funny. Yeah. Without his headphones, he will be boldly off. And then with his headphones, he'll be boldly on and be good. So things like that, people that I had encountered where they just needed like a small adjustment, right? Mm -hmm. In order to figure out how to make things work and, and find their voice, right? Find the confidence behind what they had inside naturally. Yeah. I remember when I was in high school, I, 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 yeah, I would struggle so much with the auditions with this choir teacher and I would just get so nervous and and uh, I, but I remember we were having the audition for the musical, the spring musical, and uh, I would, I did so much better in that than I did in these one-on-one auditions. And I even remember my choir teacher being like, "Uh, whoa, that was very different." And um, because I could kind of, when you were, when I was singing on the stage, I could kind of make it all melt away. And it was just me singing as opposed to like my teacher that I didn't like, you know, staring me down. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so, and so much of his personality. Yeah. Like so much of it is personality too. And we learned that as a teacher and as a student as well, like I, the first thing I tried out for in high school for musical theater, I got cast in the only non-singing, non-dancing role in the musical. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So it's hard not to take that, uh, take that to heart too much. And then I tried out for another musical directed by somebody else at the school, not long after, and I was younger, I think I was a sophomore and there were juniors and seniors who should be getting, you know, big roles ahead of me. And I got the biggest role from that teacher. Mm-hmm. Right. So then that was, that was affirming to me in the sense that it was not that I lacked talent before. It was just, I wasn't what that teacher was looking for. I wasn't what that teacher needed right then. I didn't click vibe with that teacher, but with a different teacher, I was able to shine. Right. And so having 
multiple people deal with, you know, the Herald Angels and deal with sort of the misfit crew, you know, they could they could learn from the different styles, learn yeah. from one another, find things that that mesh with them to to figure out how to bring out their best selves. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's why they ended up uh Brendan Penny and, and Penny Mirren ended up being like a great team together. Yes. Yeah. And oh, I I've got I sidetracked myself. This is also I'm sorry. I I'm just excited to talk about the movie. So if I completely go off the rails, please feel <laughs> free to bring me back. Uh, yeah. Adam being a jerk and figuring out how much of a jerk to make him at the beginning was hard. Like it yeah. definitely took a lot of conversation about uh, what he could say, what he couldn't say. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think we left it fairly jerky in the script and we just trusted that our actor knew what to do and if maybe we had less faith in an actor we would have had to row back some of that dialogue some but brendan pennyman i tell you what <laughs> he's a guy who walks in and he does his first take and you're like oh he just gets it he just gets it and i think that and y'all talked about this a little bit on your show as well the fact that he got to play funnier maybe than he usually gets to was something that clearly appealed to him. And he was really happy to like sink his teeth into it seemed uh -huh. like just tonally from, from day one, he understood. Well, and I think like I joked on the pod, like putting him through the nerdifier, it helped sure. because you, it just made him, it softened him, made him sweeter, yeah. made uh, it, it, I think it helped with that likability a lot. Yeah. He's kind of a nerd in real life too. <laughs> I kept, I kept hearing that a little bit, you know, and then I got to like play charades while we were waiting between takes with him and the, and the kids, the Herald angels. Yeah. And so we'd be playing with, you know, one of these like app, you know, things it'll, it'll pop up a movie or whatever. And there'll be something from like the eighties or nineties that clearly only Brendan and I would know and none of the kids would know. Yeah. And you know, he, he dove in head first. He was having some fun back there. Yeah. He's, he's a nice guy. Well, honestly, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he is. And honestly, the, the, as soon as they posted the, uh, the picture of him with glasses, every, like the, oh, yeah. all of Hallmarkies exploded, like everyone. Freaked. Yes. It was a brilliant yes. choice. Yes. And he was great about like pushing the the way and the timing in which he would like casually push the glasses up. I don't I don't know how often he was choosing to push it up as like a as a choice and how often it was just him doing it by instinct. But yeah. it it felt very natural and it yeah. felt uh, like this is just who he is it was not a it was not a transition that was difficult for him to go from playing like the hunk in things to playing this guy yeah uh, he was he was right in the pocket from the word go <laughs> well keep him in that pocket we like it uh yeah i like and, it too yeah. well and i mean you must have been stoked when you heard about patty Murin. i mean so yeah great. yeah i definitely wrote it hoping that we could get somebody who either a had like a musical background like somebody who had been in the music industry yeah. or somebody who was a broadway performer somebody who would be very credible uh, in the singing scenes and also very credible in terms of understanding what it's like to be in the spotlight and obviously she as a result of her work in Frozen, uh, has a very devoted following and a very yeah. big following. And 
I kind of wonder, I haven't talked to Patty about this, but it's, it's good to have somebody in the role of Darcy who has had a thing that was so big and iconic for so many people so that Darcy being kind of a one hit wonder, which Patty is not, but having something that a lot of people are going to associate with Patty like forever and having a, a, an actor who sort of gets that yeah. maybe you have to grapple with that some uh, is great. And yeah, she was also an absolute delight and i know she would very much love to be in more of these movies i would love to write more yes. movies she can be in I, yeah. I would love that did she and maybe brendan as well do some ad-libbing in uh some improv in this i i felt sure. like lines like oh that's a creepy basement <laughs> that, that like maybe creepy I was basement like, definitely an ad-lib yeah uh, that's what that i felt <laughs> one, that one i cannot take credit for they're are definitely a number of lines in there that I thought they did a great job of making seem off the cuff that were scripted. Uh-huh. But there were also definitely beats in there uh, where, or Brendan Penny calling uh, the principal Jimbo instead of Jim, uh, just sort of casually. That was another one where uh, I did not have Jimbo written into the script, but I think I tweeted, I was live tweeting when it aired. I, I laughed so hard that I was afraid I'd blown the take. Like I was... <laughs> I was back there and I was afraid they picked up my laugh on the mic, you know? Yeah. I liked yeah. another good line. And I don't know if, if you wrote, I'm sure you wrote this, but the, uh, if you sing any quieter, it'll be a literal silent night. Yes. Yes. That, that one was me one. for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was fun writing something that was designed to be funny. Designed. I think that sometimes the Hallmark movies uh at least have a reputation for uh prioritizing coziness over funniness <laughs> right yeah that's fair um, yeah and and sometimes i think that that reputation depending on the movie can maybe be earned but maybe the, some of those movies just aren't really going for being like a laugh riot some of them want to be cozy first and that's great we definitely wanted this to have some real humor to it and everybody from like Hallmark on down, they were very on board with let's let's make this funny. Let's leave in all of the one liners that are in the script and let's see how many of them will make it into the final cut. You know, <laughs> it was it was refreshing to see. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. To thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast, it's the good folks at Baker Publishing Group. Looking for the perfect gift for the book lover in your life? Dive into some great dual-time novels this Christmas where the past intersects with the present. First up, we have By Way of the Moonlight by Elizabeth Musser. Allie Massey's dream to use her grandparents' estate for equine therapy is crushed when she discovers the property has been sold to a contractor. With weeks until demolition, Allie unearths some of Nanadale's best-kept secrets, including her champion filly, a handsome man, and one fateful night during World War II, and perhaps a clue to keep her own dream alive. Next, Where the Last Rose Blooms by Ashley Clark. More than a century apart, two women seek lost hope. Abolitionist Clara is determined to help an enslaved woman reunite with her daughter. Alice can't stop wondering what happened to her mother in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Faced with the unknown, both women will have to dig deep to let their courage bloom. Next, When the Day Comes by Gabrielle Meyer. 
Libby has been given a powerful gift to live one life in 1774 Colonial Williamsburg and the other in 1914 Gilded Age New York City. When she falls asleep in one life, she wakes up in the other without any time passing. On her 21st birthday, Libby must choose one path and forfeit the other. But how can she possibly decide when she has so much to lose? Then we have The Master Craftsman by Kelly Stewart. When Ava Lane's dying treasure hunter father entrusts to her his mission to find a missing Fabergé egg, she has no idea how high the stakes will climb or how her allegiances will be tested. Join the hunt in this lavish dual-time narrative that plunges you into the 1917 Russian Revolution, the fall of the Romanovs, and a long-buried Soviet secret. And finally, The Extraordinary Deaths of Mrs. Kip by Sarah Brunsfold. Frustrated reporter Aidan Kelly begrudgingly agrees to help a hospice patient prepare her obituary, but old Claire Kipp has some incredible stories and some surprises up her sleeve that promises to make this seemingly throwaway assignment a life-changing one. So head over to bakerbookhouse.com slash featured slash Hallmarkies to pick up one of these great books and use code Hallmarkies40 for 40% off these titles from November 14th to December 12th. That's bakerbookhouse.com slash featured slash Hallmarkies and use code Hallmarkies40 for 40% off. Another good line was uh, I'm, uh, when they say you were a pop star and she said, I'm going to ignore the use of the word were there. <laughs> Yeah, there were there were a few there are a few bits in the script that that are like that. I um, also liked, you know, on the phone when Matt Colabrese, the uh, record producer, calls her and says, you know, uh, don't worry, I'm sure you've got another sugar rush like coming in no time or something along those lines. Right. It's always people looking for the thing that she already did you know, and mm-hmm. not people looking for the thing that she's doing now. So I tried to pepper in as many one-liners there about like what you were versus what you are, because she's trying so hard to get people to see who she is. And Well, and then when they finally have that conversation where he tells, where Adam tells her how jealous he was and how it seems, seems yeah. to be so easy for her. And, and she's just kind of like, uh, yeah, no. And they have that, it, that it all kind of comes full circle. Yeah. That. Yeah. And there was a moment we were kind of trying to decide again, as we were having conversations about Adam, like how much of a jerk should Adam be? How, how uh, much should Dar- Darcy push back? Right. Like how much should we establish? Like, like, why do they not like each other? Like, like, do we need to dive into like, do they have, should there be some story about an event that happened or whatever? And, you know, we had some conversations about that. And I think at one point I just said in one of these meetings, look, I, I just had somebody when I was in high school where I know they didn't like me because certain things were coming for me easier than for them. And it wasn't that I didn't like them. And they probably like, if we went out to get drinks right now, I guarantee we would just be like, Boy, that was dumb in high school, how we just kind of butted heads, right? Mm-hmm. And and everybody else in the meeting, as we were talking, they were like, I also had that person, like where I would just go get drinks with them today, but we butted heads. And we're like, yeah, then then it's I feel teenagers. like that's enough, right? Yeah. Then, that's, then that ends up being enough. Like that ends up making it more relatable. They don't need to like 
have had some big fight necessarily that they're holding on to or have had some sort of deeper relationship other than like they're insecure kids who are in close proximity who come from very different backgrounds and they both kind of think the other person doesn't like them so then that becomes enough that's the Mm -hmm. most relatable thing there is yeah yeah agreed yeah so we mentioned on the recap that we really liked the fact that you had like an actual date in this movie and i don't know if if you being a new writer didn't kind of realize that a lot of times they skip over that in Hallmark movies. Uh, and, uh, and so it was very refreshing because a lot of times they'll be like working on the same project. And so then they just kind of work together and then they end up falling in love. And, and so, yeah. or, you know, you go back and meet the hometown hunk or whatever, and you don't like have a little, that like sweet awkwardness of like, will you go on a date with me? And, and, uh, and uh, the, I don't know. I just love when they include a date in these movies. Yeah, um, I think that that was something important to me. We we did have at other points in the script scenes where they were having like date, but like also having activities on the date, like like doing. I know that like to some extent, people are reluctant, not just on Hallmark, but like movies in general of having two people just like sit and talk right? Like that generally that's not very cinematic, right? Like having activity is good. And generally speaking, that's true. Like you should have people doing things to some extent, but there was, there was something for me about just making sure that they had the progression from they're working together and they get drinks after, you know, which I'm also very pleased that this is one of the very few Hallmark movies in which the characters go and grab a beer you know, uh, that's just not really something that yeah. I've seen very much. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, that going from we don't like each other to we tolerate each other to I could go get a beer with this person to I would like to go on a very real date with this person, right? Showing that step-by-step mm-hmm. progress uh, yes. very important. Uh, and I think everyone, everyone agreed with that too. So again, I, there weren't many pushbacks for like that steakhouse date where they really do just like sit and talk for like three, four minutes. He... <laughs> maybe there were some concerns about well how long should this be but like at the end of the day everyone was like if i mean it works so let's just let's let's roll with it and again i'm very grateful that everybody involved was very supportive of the script and was very simpatico about a lot of the themes and ideas that that i had and that paula had and that the actors had and the producers had just everybody was so on the same page and it was just uh, a wonderful experience in that respect. Because when you have a date, you get lots of moments for like awkwardness and cute moments and oh. a good conversation, as you said. And uh, you also get the chance for the uh, the end of the date kiss. Kind of, sure. are you going to do it? Are you not going to do it? And right. <clears throat> we really like the fact that you didn't just have a near kiss. Uh, yeah. You had a near kiss with intention and explanation. Yeah. And that was so much better because a lot of times when they do the near kisses, it's just so stupid. Like no adults are going to stop kissing because the phone rings or because Correct. there's like someone closes a door or something. I don't know. Like yeah. just these ridiculous interruptions that that's sure. not stopping me from kissing <laughs> Brendan Penny. Like that's not happening. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or Patty Murin. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think you can, hopefully it's coming across that I, I very much believe in making sure that there's as much intention behind, you know, all the decisions in these as, as possible. 
And again, credit to everyone working at Hallmark and the producers and the director. We had so many conversations about exactly these things. I mean, and everyone agreed that these were moments that worked and let's keep them. And I I feel like sometimes maybe I'm just wrong. <laughs> I've, I've got to think that some of the interrupted kisses that you see I don't I don't I don't want to say like they they come down from like somebody who is just very insistent that it needs to be this way that like it doesn't feel like something where like 20 people working on a movie together come together and go yes like we need a dog to bark and then they'll stop kissing or whatever right like that feels like to me one person involved in a production yeah. whoever it may be like putting their foot down and being like no it's it's a do it's a dog bark like i don't know i think i think when it's a real great collaboration is really when you see uh, all of the intention behind things work its way into the actual end final product the problem is, is that I feel like the near kisses often don't really do anything for the story. Like they can be kind of cute sure. and flirty and whatever. That's fine. But like in reality, if I almost kiss somebody, I don't feel like that would be that different than actually yeah. kissing them as far as like what it would mean to the story and what would it mean for my life and how I feel like, I don't think it would be that different. And so if they can work the near kiss into the story and make it actually sure. impact the character instead of something that's just instantly forgotten and they're talking like nothing happened, right? Yeah. And 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 so if they go and have the actual kiss or a near kiss with intention and where they yeah. actually explain why we're not kissing, um, that that I then then it's part of the story. It's pretty hard to not make an actual kiss part of the story, and it's like impacting yeah. the characters, and they have to deal with it and what's going to happen. So I think that uh, that that's kind of I'm not opposed to near kisses if they're used effectively in the story, but so often they aren't. Yeah, they they need to have intention. I, if somebody yeah. starts doing the lean or the eye close, like if it's going to stop, it's it's got to be a really good reason. Yes. Right. And yes. and for us, the reason was that at the end of the steakhouse date, uh, Adam says to Darcy, hey, if like if you're still here at the new year, like this place has a great tasting menu, you've got to try. And she now realizes like, oh, this is very temporary, right? This is this is not something that I can just keep doing this, you know, <laughs> in, into the rest of the future. So it makes her hesitate. Right. Even though she would very much like to kiss him, as she says, I think once you get to the lean, then, yeah, you've got you've got to have an intention. I, I, I'm i not opposed to there was there was at one point a sledding scene in this that ultimately we had to like cut because we filmed in like August in Vancouver or whatever. Yeah. And so there was something in the script where they ended up in the snow, like looking at each other not leaning not closing eyes right but like i do think that you can have like whatever whatever precedes a near kiss right where you're in where you're maybe a little too close to another person and yeah. then you see the gears turn of like oh like this is like what's going on here right like that kind of that kind of friction i think it's something worth playing but yeah if you've got if you've got the lean there's there's got to be a reason if it stops mm -hmm. for sure. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Did it surprise you in writing this, how much thought goes into things like this? Like the, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, that's a great question. I, you know, so much of, again, like the memes about Hallmark movies online 
are that they they're just plug and play, right? You replace cookie shop with ski lodge and then it's a then it's another movie right or whatever and again maybe there are movies where some of that uh makes sense yeah right but these people are really trying to make movies that that stand out and are distinctive and especially now most of the meetings that i have are about like let's try to figure out how is this different than other things and so it'll still be under the umbrella of the same kind of vibe right but like you don't want to just be beat for beating the same thing as before and i think the whole weekend of shows i mean like the nanny thing there was like a like a whole spy element and whatnot right yes, and yes you know and then the the golden dragon one was interesting too so yeah, I I think I think under the leadership they've got, they are trying to find distinctive ways to tell these stories to to make them be under in the same sort of family of movie, but in a way that maybe feels a little fresher. And yeah. it takes so much conversation about to your point from before, especially not just about how to tell a story, which even to do something that's like something they've done before, you have to have those conversations, but to have those conversations and to have conversations about, well, how do we make this new also? How do we try to make this thing stand out in addition to all of the storytelling conversations? It's a lot of, it's a lot of talking through every single page. Yeah. And uh, I guess I was prepared for it to some extent, but I think people would be surprised the amount of work and care and the amount of talent involved the cinematographers for in merry measure are geniuses in my book i mean like they they not only shot it beautifully but could move from one setup to the next with such laser-like precision and efficiency the, the the type of which i've just never seen before really i mean maybe maybe roger deakins is doing that too but like i i was just blown away by how hard everyone worked and how great everyone was at their job and again it, i can't emphasize enough what a positive experience this was yeah well and, and like you i agree that and i joked in the intro about the bokeh but it's true when you get that like just the beautiful lights and the people don't sure. know bokeh is like the uh how do you describe it? I don't know. It's like the, it's the back making everything kind of, uh, you get the lights turn into circles. Yeah, sure. Yeah. A little, little like lens flariness, um, a little <laughs> bit of a haze to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, and certainly in Mary measure has some of that, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's also just hard to make that look good. There are, it there is. are, there are versions of that exact same thing where you see it and you think this kind of looks flat. This, the, the movement of the camera isn't really there. And I, I just thought that it's such a great mm -hmm. job framing it and lighting it and using yeah. the locations they had. I mean, Adam and Mel, both the cinematographers for this are just brilliant, brilliant people. Yeah. So uh, was it difficult sort of writing the relationship between the two sisters? Cause her sisters had this loss, just, you know, struggles uh and but there and there's like a little bit of resentment there between the two sisters uh and so was that tricky because you couldn't spend too much time on it but you had to yeah. spend enough time on it for it to work i don't know it seems like that would yeah, be hard you, you don't want to harp on a dead relative too long that's not very right. christmasy but you <laughs> but when it's important you know then it has to be uh like I, I sort of wanted to make sure and you can tell in the first scene 
they don't ever really mention that he died or like what he died of right like it's just it's just their reality right nobody yeah. has to say out loud well remember when your husband died right like because <laughs> that doesn't happen in real life so trying to make it the way that we did where it was organic but we didn't harp on it too much was important yeah i have friends who i won't say are resentful resentful is too strong a word but i have friends who ask me all the time well when i'm from jacksonville florida originally i have friends who ask me all the time when are you coming back to florida <laughs> right like mm -hmm. that and especially for the holidays be like hey you're gonna be around for the holidays and i don't travel home for the holidays that much anymore i've got my family here i've got my wife here my dog here my friends here i get to see my uh family during the year uh, they understand we do zoom calls on the holidays right um, but I don't make those trips. And, you know, sometimes when life gets hard, because so many of the people from my past are across the country, I'm not able to physically be there all the time. And I'm not like a big pop star. I do have some availability to get back. If you're touring the world, then you probably get to miss like a lot of very important moments in uh, a friend or family member's life. So, yeah, I think that the resentment element uh was probably harder than like the dead dad element the dead husband element because yeah you you want to make it clear that there is disappointment from a family member without it going into resentment right like resentment is not very christmasy disappointment is allowed mm -hmm. so <laughs> so yeah i that scene where Darcy tells Gretchen that she's going to have to go and Gretchen sort of has the sort of speech back to her about like what, how it's, it's a lot of emphasis on how positive the impact is that she is here now. There's not a lot of like, you weren't here, right? There's a lot of how great it's been now that you are here. Uh, and I think that that shift, I don't remember, I don't remember what that scene looked like when it was initially written versus the end scene. But I definitely rewrote that scene a few times uh, to try to get the tone right. And I think yeah. that that, that plays a big role for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when she has to let the kids know and she's, she's letting you, uh, it, letting them down. And I was just bracing for, Oh no, we're going to get the scene where she's standing in front of the executives and she's going to be like, I have to leave right now. And I'm <laughs> like, Oh, but you didn't, you didn't. No, I'm proud of you. You did not. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. And you know what? At no point was that a consideration really. I think that we talked a lot about the logistics of getting there, getting back, like looking at Google maps to figure out, okay, well, if you're going from Dayton to the airport and then you get to JFK and then you go to the Upper West Side and then you turn around and get back to JFK and back to Dayton Airport and back to Dayton, is this feasible? What can we do, right? Yeah. Like we do sit and have those conversations yeah. as crazy as it sounds, <laughs> right? Um, And, you know, was she going to be able to go there? Obviously there was like, I think y'all brought up that nowadays it would probably just be on Zoom. I think that that's fair. We did have to sort of create a bit of a like, old school executive who needs them to perform in person in front of them mm -hmm. character to make like the necessity of getting away happen. Um, but also the, the music industry and film industry are littered with old school people like this. So, sure, you know, yeah. Not, sure. yeah, it's, it's, while it's maybe not the common uh, way things are done anymore. Uh, I also maybe started writing this before I realized that zoom would just stay around forever. <laughs> so 
<laughs> maybe maybe there's a bit of that in there as well you know yeah yeah i loved the scene where he's uh nursing his broken heart with a giant cup of cocoa or coffee or whatever <laughs> i just yes. thought that was like a classic hallmark moment you know he's literally got like a candy cane and he's just so sad <laughs> i i had to push for that montage because usually at some point people get concerned about because montages are, are technically very tricky yeah. when you're only shooting for like 12 days 14 days, whatever the amount of days that are shot <clears throat> you have to shoot a lot of stuff in different locations everywhere and you have to add like that that just adds a lot of time for something that's going to fly by very quickly so i think that sometimes montages we definitely at least had conversations about montages of did we need them here or can we lose them? Mm -hmm. um, which I think is very reasonable. And I think we ended up keeping most, if not all of the montages, just because I love montages and I think they're a lot of fun. Yeah. And again, huge credit to the geniuses who shot this movie, right? Like they were on schedule. They The, the actors were nailing their takes, right? Like, so you're able to shoot more things if everybody is an absolute like genius at their job, which is what happened on this movie. So then we're able to get all these like fun things that turn into all these really fun, great montages and like, that just doesn't happen if like someone's a diva or if somebody doesn't, you know, really know what they're doing or whatever. I mean, again, you're, I can't praise the cast and crew enough. Just top of the line people are the reasons why we got to do all these super fun montages. And when you see a fun montage in a movie, watch it and think like, man, that took a lot of work. And it means that the people that are doing their job are like doing it very, very well. So you have to write this this ending kiss, which is a big moment in these Hallmark movies. Even if you have a mm -hmm. mid kiss, you, that ending kiss is really important. And uh, yeah. I thought it was really fun. And he says, I, I couldn't let my rival accept all the credit. And then he says, rivalry would, imp would imply competition, which she had said earlier on the date. Yeah, she says she says a few times to him. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Uh, and then she, so then they kiss and uh, it's kind of a shut up and kiss me kiss kind of a thing. Like they go for it. And then, yeah. uh, then she's like, oh, that was great. Very good. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was the way it was from the beginning. Um, the idea that she would say, because I think sometimes when we have like jabs that really work against like our friends or maybe against our frenemies or whatever, if you've got a line that really works, you can keep going like back to the same well, right? Yeah. Like, like if I've got a buddy at poker that I like won because I had like four aces and I took all of his money, I'm going to bring that up a lot, <laughs> right? Like I think that having something that you know works in terms of needling another person uh, means that that's a button that's going to be uh, frequently pushed. And so I think that she sees that that line works well and she says it to him a couple of times throughout the movie. And as you can see, he also says like over and over again, he's the six time champion, right? Like he says that a couple of times throughout yes. as well. And so, yeah, for him to flip it on her at the end, because she's, you know, like just swept up in the moment and doesn't realize that she's setting him up to, to turn the tables on her. Yeah. And I love a good uh, shut up and kiss me like yeah. without, without needing to say it. Right. Like, right. You know, just like leaning in, just go for it. Like, you know, take the person in your arms and and 
and go to work. Yeah, yeah. like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I that, agree. that that I think is the most romantic stuff. I we've been my wife and I have been watching New Girl again recently, and I don't know if you watched New Girl when it was on. Um, but the no, first, I know of it, but I, I didn't. I didn't watch it. The but, yeah. first kiss between our two sort of leads, between Zoe Deschanel and Jake Johnson, is a great like wordless like just pull her in yeah. and go for it <laughs> and yeah those always like i feel like the movies where they say like so are you gonna kiss me now or whatever like it's yeah. like it's like i'm sh- that does happen in real life people do say those things in order to get kisses but i i don't know the big the big sweeping pull them in come here you kind of deal yeah. uh it's always something that sort of uh, is is more my taste, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it goes all the way back to like screwball comedies and bring up baby movies yes. like that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I and I've been watching a lot of those. I'm I've got some other projects that I'm working on that uh, will also be funny and will also be a little crazy. And so things like I just I just watched Bring Up Baby and I watched My Man Godfrey recently, which yeah. is uh, which is great. Christmas uh, in what- Connecticut what's up doc uh, oh yeah i mean like so many of like those i i, I just hope i don't borrow from them too liberally <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully i just borrow the tone right it's it's very hard when you watch a bunch of things that are completely brilliant in a row you're like they they seep in you know what yeah. i mean so you have to check yourself <laughs> a little bit sometimes but yeah i i love that you bring that up i think that that's something that i can do really well and that i can bring to the table on these hallmark movies a lot is that um you know that patter you know the the back and forth um the bickering without getting too without getting too nasty or cynical or mean yes Um, i i definitely think that i can do that and and certainly the stuff i'm working on will have plenty of that going forward and yeah i'm i'm excited well i think you did a great job and i loved the ending that with the christmas jams we talked about it i feel like a number of homework movies are doing the christmas jams sure this season and uh that's not something my family ever did uh but uh but i think it's super cute (laughs) my wife and i do that now more or less we get we get uh pajamas in the stockings uh, and we open the stockings the night before and then we have our like fun funky uh pajamas Uh, let me know that if i don't even know that they match necessarily sometimes they match some years they match we got ones with our dog's face all over it that matched one year that was a lot of fun um I think last year I got a I got her a big like onesie with reindeer antlers, um, you know stuff like this uh, just yeah tickles yeah. me. So yeah, and I thought they picked great the the people in charge of costuming. Yeah, uh, got some great pajamas for that last scene. They do such a good job uh, yeah. with the costuming in these movies. I did I did yeah. kind of laugh at the the yellow scarves. It did look sure nice. sure. I don't know that I had written. I don't think I wrote yellow scarves into the script. <laughs> we, um, we just kind of joked that uh, they were ready to join Gryffindor House. Sure. There's something like <laughs> there's something that feels like vaguely like almost like a choir when you. Yeah, got the yeah, I can like, see that. I, I don't remember like what they call this thing at church, the thing that drapes over that like yeah. they wear or whatever. So maybe like sashes or something. Yeah. So yeah. maybe there's like some sort of scarf sash, <laughs> you know, like subliminal like you know you take taking you back to church with the uh with the stomping and the clapping and and what have you but yeah no the costuming was great my wife took pictures on screen multiple times being like where do i get that sweater (laughs) i I don't know i can send some emails i guess 
Yeah. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. We like to end our interviews with some fun holiday questions. So great. here we go. What is your favorite holiday drink? My favorite holiday drink. I'm a big beer guy. So I think that doing like a nice winter ale, okay. uh, something that's going to be a little like sort of toffee, cinnamony yeah. kind of kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. I like I like a big sort of warming winter ale. Okay, good. All right. What's your favorite cookie or treat? Favorite cookie or treat? My wife makes chocolate chip cookies with a little Maldon salt on the top uh, mm-hmm. that when she makes them, she has to take them out of the house because I'll eat them all in one sip. So yeah, I'll go with that. My good. wife's cookies. What, yep. a, what a what a cheap answer that is. If she's listening to this, she's gonna be like, he's just sucking up to me. <laughs> no, no, it's that's a real answer. Her cookies are incredible. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite Christmas song or carol? Favorite Christmas song or carol? Go Tell It on the Mountain is Oh yeah, you had that there. in the movie. Yeah, it's way, way up there. Um, I really love Al Green's Christmas album. I listen to that every Christmas and he's got like some like soulified versions of like Jingle Bells and I'll Be Home for Christmas and stuff like this. Oh, wait, no, I know the answer. Stop the presses. There is a Robert Goulet song. (laughs) All right. For the for the people listening to this. okay. I don't know how this became a tradition in my family, but I swear it's true. In fact, I think I do know. I I like to go to thrift stores and buy like records and things sometimes or shirts or what have you. Uh-huh. And I found at a thrift shop once a like a Robert Goulet's like Wonderful World of Christmas or something. And for people what? who don't know Robert Goulet, he's like an old theater actor yeah. and crooner. Victor and, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Camelot, right? Yeah. Like all, like lots of good stuff. So uh, some people might know him as the bad guy in Naked Gun Two. He, yeah, he has like there's a couple of traditional carols, but then he's got the original Christmas songs. Which whenever you're listening to an album by people and they start to do the original Christmas songs, you're either gonna get like a big stinker or a big winner, right? There's no in between on these. And there's a song called "Hurry Home for Christmas." by Robert Goulet. I think it's by Robert Goulet. Either that or it's a standard I'd never heard of until it was Robert Goulet. And I put it on one Christmas and my dad thinks it's like, it's one of the things where you start playing it because it's funny and then it it becomes something you sincerely love. It's like watching The Bachelor or something, right? So like, yeah, now we just very much sincerely love it. And I know that my dad, every Christmas to wake us up, would put on Hurry Home for Christmas by Robert Goulet and play it on the speakers as loud as he could to get us out of bed. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I think even though I said a lot of things I do really love, I think in honor of that, I'm going to go with Hurry Home for Christmas, Robert Goulet, final answer. That is very cute. Okay, good. What is your favorite classic Christmas movie? 
classic Christmas movie. I, I mean, I got to go Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, um, yes. I watch it. Every, I watch it every Christmas Eve so when good. Beaker gives Scrooge the scarf tears every time. <laughs> yes. I know every word uh, to every song. Yeah, I, I'm I'm obsessed with Muppet Christmas Carol. So I love it too. They have a they had a panel at D23 because uh, it's the um what 30th. Mm-hmm. Uh, anniversary or whatever and they announced that they are uh that's coming back onto uh disney plus with the full uh the love the is full gone version with the uh love is gone song great uh it's so it's very exciting great that song yes, 4K. Is the, it's the heart of the movie and yeah. and the dvd that i have i've got it so that in widescreen it doesn't have the love is gone and then the full screen has the love is gone so every christmas i'm like and this is weird behavior that i'm about to describe i watch the widescreen version until the love is gone is supposed to start i stop it i flip to the full screen i watch the love is gone in full screen and then i flip back to the widescreen to watch the rest of the movie well now you can just watch on Disney Plus. I'll very I exciting. Hundred percent, do that. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, all right. Up there. Which speaking of Christmas Carol, which do you like better, Scrooge or the Grinch? You know, I played the Grinch in Susicle the Musical. Um, oh, there really? are very funny photos of me dressed as the Grinch, probably somewhere floating around online. <laughs> uh, so I do think I have to go with the Grinch here. Oh, okay. Uh, which do you like better, clear lights or colored? Colored lights, for okay. sure. I grew up with those. Would you rather be in a snowball fight or build a snowman? You know, as somebody who grew up in Florida and now lives in California, I have very little experience with this. Um, I am inclined to say snowman. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I mean, that you, Pat, Patty Mirren. You, you <laughs> there is supposed to be a snowball scene in the movie. And actually, here's a fun for the people. I'm going to encourage anyone listening to this to rewatch it cammy right and she's she's one yeah. of the uh yeah when when she's not watching it late at night while also watching her child she can rewatch the movie and look for this easter egg there was supposed to be a snowball scene at the pub where they're drinking uh beer and there are guys who are throwing snowballs in the back and if you can see in the background of one of the scenes the snowball just like bounces because it's clearly like foam or something (laughs) so there is a like fun little or maybe it was meant to be that like i i don't know maybe maybe on the day of production i wasn't there for that so maybe they changed it from snowballs to like white balls (laughs) like i i don't i don't i don't know i wasn't there for that to be honest but if if you're watching the scene thinking, oh, they're tossing snowballs and all of a sudden you watch one of them bounce in the background for like half a second, then it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, would, egg there. would you consider yourself a good gift wrapper or not? Famously bad <laughs> gift wrapper. Very famously bad. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan now of you buy the bag and you put like one piece of tissue paper on top of it. Um right. That's my ideal scenario. If I have to wrap, uh, I'm working on a I'm working on a script that deals with gift wrapping a lot, actually, and I'm trying to get better. We always try to get better at things in life, but I am a famously bad gift wrapper. Yeah. All right, last question: Do you have an ugly Christmas sweater? I do, and I knew these questions were coming, so I busted it out. This oh, is for you the YouTube uh, watchers here. Okay, check this out. Oh my gosh, great! Check this out. So to describe it to the people listening, um, my favorite movie character or Christmas movie character of all time is the Bumble from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. 
I uh-huh. have a bumble, bumble pants, bumble slippers, bumble. I, I got bumble everything, man. I love the bumble. Nice. Um, yeah, there's just something about, you know, this this misunderstood guy who just like needs, you know, a little love in Christmas, you know, in order to bring his best self out. You know, I don't know. There's something I relate to about that, I guess. Maybe he's also big and hairy and I and so am I to some extent. So, you know, why not? But yeah, yeah this abominable snowman holding a mistletoe um, is the closest that I could find to a bumble ugly Christmas sweater that's like that's not like a sweatshirt. Right. Like, you right, know, like yeah. the Christmas sweaters, but they're sweatshirts. I wanted like a real Christmas sweater with the bumble on it. And this is the best I could do, but I'm a big fan of it. I think it's cute. Uh, yeah. The abominable yeah. He's, he's under the mistletoe, too. He's got a little rose there. He's like kind of a romantic. Yeah, maybe, that's right. <laughs> maybe he needs to be in a Hallmark. He's uh, like ready to go on a date. I, I loved uh, seeing comments from people on Twitter that they wanted a sequel where Gretchen and Coach Rick get together. Uh, okay <laughs> um you know why not hallmark call me to marry to measure i'll write it i mean it's so hard because people always want sequels but then it's so hard to make a sequel a good sequel of a hallmark movie yeah. because you've got the couple together so what to what to do next it's very well, difficult that's you, why it's got it's got to be a separate couple yeah right? yeah yeah you gotta yeah. you gotta try and like you you branch it right you like branch the family yeah. of movies out kind of in a perfect well, and it's story, true because that's what romance novels do like if yes. you're reading like, like the, the bridger like the fool's yeah. gold series and the first one yeah. will be about uh you know pamela and then pamela's sister will be the next one and then another yes. minor character and you'll see like little easter eggs of the the characters in the previous books throughout and they're trying to do that with like the wedding bell movies and with the time to come home movies and things like that uh they did with the evergreen a little bit uh but uh but yeah i mean that's kind of that is something to this type of storytelling i think yeah and i mean sequels usually are terrible yeah it's a tough it's a tough it's tough to get right Mm. jennifer robertson is one of the most lovely people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, I got to just chat with her on her day off. She was just like sitting on the side. We just started talking and like, we talked for like hours. She had no reason to talk to me. I'm the writer. Yeah. You know, like nobody, nobody wants to talk to the writer for two hours or whatever, but she was just incredibly nice. She's very smart. She has so many great like ideas and great opinions on movies and TV and yeah, she's lovely, and I think that if she wanted to be like the lead in a uh, in a Christmas movie, even if it's not a in Mary Measure sequel, I mean, I would yeah. I would be all about her being the lead in one of these things. She's she's often the sassy sister or <laughs> or, or uh, you know sassy neighbor's wife or whatever, and yeah. And she, absolutely could crush it as the lead in my opinion i would love to see that well i'm so happy for you this is a very heartwarming story your success and the movie and uh, so congratulations we're excited to follow your career and uh, thanks for coming on talking with us thank you so much yeah when uh next christmas if uh, more movies get made I, i'll gladly talk about those as well i love talking movies with with people who love them yeah definitely uh and if people want to follow you on social media how do they do that yeah russell h film r-u-s-s-e-l-l-h film uh i've got uh that's instagram that's letterboxd uh if twitter still exists when you're listening to this <laughs> I, i'm still there uh and then I'm going to give the weirdest shout out of all time. You're never, you have never had this on this show before. Are you ready? 
right. I am also a like beer media influencer type person. I don't really know what to call it. Okay. Uh, I I was involved in like writing about beer festivals and things for media outlets before, and now I have a a TikTok account uh, where I make TikToks about craft beer and things. So I don't know again what the overlap is between the Hallmarkies fan base and the TikTok using craft beer lover base. But, you know, if you are hearing this and you're like, oh, my goodness, that is me. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok at the beer travel guide. <laughs> nice. Very good. OK, good. <laughs> well, thanks so much and hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Rachel. You do the same. Thanks for having me on. I'd like to thank Russell for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this interview. Uh, so let us know what you think about all the different things that we're talking about in the comments or on, t- on Twitter. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. Also make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast all of our social media. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. That really helps us a lot. And if you are watching on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We also have our patron group, which is so much fun. We have watch alongs and, uh, and our, our group on Facebook that you can become a part of. So please take a look at that. It really helps us a lot. And then we also have the merch store. It has all kinds of festive designs. So please take a look at that and help us out. And uh, thanks again to Russell and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Merry Christmas.